and it was can uh, am i good enough yeah to get further up on the list and then all of a sudden we got there and was like oh okay yeah well now what so what happened <laughs> what was the shift how did how do you shift that the shift became um how do you accomplish results but impact people's lives. So the shift for me was uh, was um, being motivated to show up and grow so that I could help other people grow. The dynamic was I no longer had to prove that I was capable of accomplishing that business outcome. It was am I capable? Am I able to multiply multiply yourself. this now? Yeah. That's right. Awesome. Because that's that's the never ending zero sum game. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Every week, we aim to disrupt the way entrepreneurs and real estate agents think. This week, we are disrupting the intro. So, Eric. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. How did you get here? And hold on. How did you get where you are today? How did I get where I am today? Let's see. Um... We did one of these episodes before, and I think I started it by saying I'm just a normal dude, and uh, apparently that di that didn't go over well. So um, I'll, I'll take a different approach this time around, I guess. Um, you know, it, I think I mentioned actually last week in our show, the last time we talked, that um, every job I've ever had, I've been fired from. Yeah. And you called it laid off, and I'm calling it fired. Um, <laughs> I actually wear that badge with uh, with pride. I, I you know joked that I'm um, unhirable or at least right. unable to work for someone else. And so um, I guess ever since I was, ever since I was little, it seems like um, I've always pushed back against right. um, tradition, um, something that's accepted as like common sense, mm -hmm. never made common sense to me. And so the, uh, that makes me not an amazing employee. And, uh, you know, I, I, so I wanted to be a radio and TV broadcaster. I wanted to be basically Marv Albert. Okay. I can and then, see that. And then Marv Albert wore women's is that, lingerie. Is that boom? And, yeah. And I no longer wanted to be Marv Albert. So it was the lingerie that. that did it for me, that, that changed the direction. But uh, when I was like uh, 11, I started. He's on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. He's on fire. We got him, right? <laughs> yep. So when I, was, when I was 11, I started, um, I started getting into radio uh, with sports, play by play. I did radio until, uh, gosh, I was probably, well, until I was probably 22, I guess. So I got in, did radio and TV from the time I was 11 until 22. I worked for ABC, CBS, Fox, um, and then got out of the industry altogether. Doing what? What uh, are you doing? Uh, gosh, I've done a lot of different things, but um, I've done, I've been like radio like DJ. Were you? Yeah. What was your name? Um, do your radio voice. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know if I can even do the radio voice anymore. It is hilarious. So the people are like, I that doesn't even hear. sound like you. Um, there's a couple of YouTube videos actually yeah, of me, like as a, as a TV reporter. In, Links that in needs the to be the entry going in. <laughs> All right, I'll find it. I'll find it. Um, you I, put the link in the description. That's too. right. All right. Well, I'll, I'll send them to you. Um, <laughs> 
so I did a lot of sports play by play. So all through college, I traveled with, uh, the athletic teams at Indiana state and then, um, worked for the, the coaches shows on the weekends for the, the CBS affiliate. And then, uh, would cover Saturday at Fox's like Saturday, uh, Midwest game of the week for baseball. So I would, I would go to like Cincinnati, Chicago, um, St. Louis, uh, and cover white Sox, Cubs, Reds, Cardinal games and work, work as part of the production crew. Um, and then went to went to college on a radio and TV scholarship. Went to the ABC affiliate out in Tucson, and then realized that I didn't make any money um, in radio and in television. I knew that going into right. it. However, knowing <sighs> it and then actually making no money are two totally different things. And so, <laughs> I decided I didn't want to like be broke and live in Indi- and live. Um, somewhere that I didn't want to live forever. So, uh, I wanted to move back to Indiana and that's why I got out of TV truly. So, so I broke up with TV and moved back to Indiana and thought, well, what else am I going to do for a living? So I could probably talk since I've been doing this. So might as well get into sales. Everyone's always said that I'm full of shit. So sales seems like a great, a great path. Do you miss anything about those days? Not one single bit. Other than the fact that I was like 21 living by myself in Arizona. That's probably that the sounds only pretty thing. Sweet. Yeah. Part of that sounds pretty cool. I feel like I would, it would probably get kind of repetitive after a while. Did you lose all interest in everything you cover? So like, what sport I used to love sports and then when it becomes your job I no longer liked sports and um mm-hmm. I also lost all respect not that I had a lot of it but any respect that I did have for the legitimacy of the news industry gone I mean mm-hmm. it, it it was uh it was incredibly sorry y'all. I don't want to call it corrupt but <coughs> inauthentic maybe um the the stories that we were we were uh, it required to cover as a byproduct of being an abc affiliate were not at all what we wanted to cover or what what necessarily was really news it was it was really a fear-based um news narrative and we hated it and so i think 35 of us quit maybe in like a 12-month period because news was start at that point i remember our news director coming in and saying um we're we're switching our brand to on your side and uh we're now going to do stories that appeal to people's fear and that's our and we're going to be their like protector the new we as a news entity are the savior of all the terrible fearful things that happen out there and uh we adopted that that new model and it was awful and it was not reality right and and so um a lot of us left because in my opinion news has not remotely uh accurate or credible a lot of the time and and I saw that firsthand, and so it also was another re, another catalyst to getting out of the business. And and I, I don't know that I've watched or watched much network TV from a news per perspective. And gosh, yeah, since then. So, yeah. mm. um, 
so then after that, what did you? Yeah, I got, I got hired. So I applied to as many sales jobs as I could and no one hired me, um, except for HH Greg and Sherwin Williams. And I wasn't sure which one to go with. And so I went to Sherwin Williams. I knew nothing about paint and nothing about construction. And I'm not sure that I had ever, uh, I definitely had never purchased a gallon of paint before. Uh, but I went there and in fact was there for, I don't know, seven, eight years, I guess, uh, worked as a store manager and then as a sales rep. What'd you learn from that? Oh my gosh. Everything. Um, yeah, that's why I want to get into everything that. like, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it, it truly, uh, one, one thing about my career is that I've been around really incredibly talented people mm-hmm. and I've, I've always been curious. And so being curious when you're around like world-class talented people is, is an, is a great skill set or a great trait to have because you learn as much as humanly possible about whatever they know. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I learned a ton about, um, video and, and, um, and production at the time from, from a like world-class video journalist. He would win multiple awards every year uh, from, from a quality perspective. So that was one of the main reasons why I went to Tucson for that job at Sherwin Williams. I had, um, great sales training. Um, and then I had an even, I had a, an amazing, um, uh, I guess would be a sales leader or a a sales director, Um, a guy named Corey Hill, who is is fascinating because he's really the opposite of what you would expect a sales director to be. I would think that someone would be like outwardly like energetic and charismatic and enroll Mm -hmm. you in everything. And that is not Corey. He is just like the textbook, like surgical salesperson and and leader and that helped a lot because i applied for to be a sales rep uh four times i applied four times i got i did not get hired three um i don't know it's funny (laughs) it's funny i actually uh uh, i actually talked to him recently for the first time in a long time but um but i i got passed over for that the job three three times in a row and I was one of the top performing um, salespeople as a store manager, but I didn't get the rep job um, three times in a row before finally getting it the fourth. And I was pissed, you know, I'm like, right. here are my results and I'm not able to earn this, pro- this promotion. But, um, but obviously I didn't quit. I kept applying for it. And what I, what I learned was that, that I was, I didn't like, I didn't show up with the consistency required in order right. to execute at a high enough level. Right. I was surviving on the, my like skill set and my natural talent yep. of, uh, and, and that what, what I didn't have was the discipline of habits that was going to be required to be effective with Corey. And so, um, not getting hired multiple times in a row, um, I realized something was going to change if I was going to accomplish that. So I, I realized that I, I've, unfortunately that person that had to change was me. Okay. And so I learned, a, I learned a, a ton that shaped my career. In fact, I don't think that I would have remotely the success in real estate and in business if I had not been with Sherwin Williams, because I didn't know what a PL was until I got like, until I got one mm-hmm. and was told that that's how I would either keep my job or not. And so, you know, PNL, yeah, that's right. <laughs> because I printed it every single day and hung it up on the wall and we and broke down the PNL every single day and then learned the games you play with PNL in order to get the outcome. You know, I mean, we would like, 
this is silly, but like to me, this is the business is a game and that the game of business is, um, is a competitive sport and the, the competition is you versus you oftentimes and that you're trying to learn how do you become a better business owner or business operator in order to, um, increase the score of your yeah. game and that score, you know, in that case is a P and L. And so, I mean, we would like buy $20,000 worth of colorant if we were having a bad quarter or a bad month, cause we'd rack up a huge fixed expense that month so that we could drive up our profitability the next quarter to increase our bonus payout or, right. or to have more fixed expenses on the book to depreciate them next year in order to increase our profit margin the following year to increase our bonus payout or to increase results the following year. So it became, became a game where you just alter, um, how you can how you can you know tweak something to improve the outcome now how did that end how did your <laughs> like every other job Mike <laughs> you said all of them in. Uh, I, I, I I joked that I was asked to no longer be an employee and um and you know I I was I had gotten my real estate license at that point in time um anyway and I was planning to uh, flip four houses a year and okay. then never sell paint and so by that point in time um actually had uh, accidentally picked up some clients and then that snowballed uh, a little bit out of control to where working with clients to buy and sell real estate was um, one, not allowing me to flip real estate and two, not allowing me to actually sell paint. Sell paint yeah. And so eventually it was like, uh, we think you're not selling enough. Uh, you're not spending enough time doing this job. Right. So we probably should come up with uh, something new for you to do. And um, so so that's essentially how my my I love paint hearing that stopped. story because everyone hears the story about how you know you got fired from selling paint, but like to hear the details of it and to hear um, that it's not just like you know just to hear the details of it, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I say that I'm unhirable because it seems that. I push boundaries for sure. And I know that that's like one of the things that was challenging in a, in a corporate sales environment, especially. But what I also learned from that though, is that like, I didn't really push boundaries with when Corey was my sales director, because there was zero tolerance or leeway to pushing boundaries. Right. Like you, you had your numbers in at the same time every week and you were accountable to the same results every single week in the same set of standards that everyone was. Um, or maybe the following week you weren't coming back to do those results. And yet there was never like, I was never like threatened or there was never like, Hey, if you don't do this, Mike, you like, you're not, you don't have a job. It was just, understood. you're going to do it. It was yeah. just, understood just understood that you were going to have this outcome. It's a leader right there. Yeah. And, and so, so I want to push, I don't back. know if I would have been fired if I, I don't know if I would have actually gotten into real estate if Corey hadn't left. And I had a little more leeway with the next set of leaders that I had. Got it. So I want to push back on this whole, you could be an employee for okay. someone else. And um, I used to say that. I've said that actually five months ago. And okay. And what yeah. am I? Yeah. I work for you. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, right. Or work with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, what, yeah. but what it's done is that. What it's done is um, I'm a CEO, so it's allowed me to from a CEO perspective, I now can empathize with you. So it actually has made me a better employee. I think, I think I'm better than I would have been. Yeah. 
I could see that. Um, I could see that because part of it is you get a different perspective yeah. for sure. And then, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure some of his personality, but what I also realize about myself is that, uh, um, if I'm working, if I feel as though I'm working for someone and I have a level of respect for them, then I also want to deliver on the outcome yeah. that I committed to deliver on. Absolutely. I know that. So that makes a big difference. So where do you see your strengths? Um, that's a good question. I probably should have thought of that ahead of time, considering I asked you these questions, but just, just an episode before. However, um, I think one of the things you said was that you're, um, like an avid learner. I'm, I am curious about everything. Yeah. Um, and if anything doesn't add up and make 100% perfect sense to me, I'm curious about knowing the truth. Um, uh. and by that, I mean, like if it's accepted as common sense yet doesn't make sense to me, then I'll push it until it makes um, absolute sense and is indisputable. And because of that, uh, I learn a lot. And it is that through that learning, I think that um, I'm able to think differently and then able to act differently and able to get a different result. Um, so, so having that, that like curiosity um, framework helps a lot. Um, and, and then, uh, I'm, I feel like I'm, ref, I'm self-reflective at least now and that I'm on this quest to always, uh, become better. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I'm, I'm trying to always find this, like seek this truth internally of like, am I actually, um, am I actually living up to my, my like goal of, growing and seeking that betterment of self. And so I'm, I'm analyzing, okay, what did I do this week? What did I do today? What did I do last month? Am I actually living, um, with purpose or not? Yeah. And because, because I'm always auditing whether I'm showing up and living in purpose that compels me forward. I love that. And I love that you do it because I feel like it rubs off on other people. I mean, what do you guys think? Well, I was telling, I was telling somebody yesterday, I was coaching some agents yesterday. And one of the things that I told them was that like, you have to go on an appointment. And then when you get out of an appointment, you deconstruct everything that you did and said on that appointment. You, you mentioned in the last episode that when you had someone come into your model at Pulte, that you would try something. And then it was like a laboratory. Mm -hmm. I use the example that it was like, you know, Peyton Manning, if they want to play, playoff game to go to the Super Bowl, he still went back to the facility or the hotel room and broke down game tape Yeah, and watched the game film. Every single, like I, you know, I've been fortunate in that I probably convert 95 to 96, seven, 8% of the listing appointments that I go on. And, and yet I still analyze every single one of them and break them down as to all the things that I didn't do well. Yeah. And try to, and try to, um, despite the fact that I can get a, get a, the desired outcome, I'll still, um, I'll still analyze what didn't go well and what I need to do differently next time in order to improve on that, that portion of it. And to me, I think of that as like that, that self-reflection is my game film. Yeah. I have to improve on what, where I missed the receiver on a 10 yard out, despite the fact that I've made that play seven times before. it. That's good. I mean, do you guys have anything you want to add to that? 
Okay. It's an annoying trait for it, some people though. I, like, I love that. it. I, I mean, would, like I when Tyler was working with Eric Moore full time, obviously he was the one with him, so they were together more often. But yeah. I still remember you guys would have long conversations even back then where he would kind of call you and be like, So how did this go? Did this work oh, really yeah. well? Kind of like true. when you were, we did. You, you were kind of mm-hmm. in more of a public speaking because yeah. you were like going out when, more. when there was such a thing as public speaking. Yeah, right. Exactly. So <laughs> even when you kind of did have literal game tape, you guys would yeah, kind of call true. and go over stuff and see what could be better. And yeah, yeah, you're right. I remember flying home from Vegas and wa- and listening to like two hours of footage yeah. Of converse on one on one conversations that we had because yeah. I was like, oh, that didn't go well. That did go well. Yeah. Let's use this, not use that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We it did was, do that. Yeah, we would craft like after every speaking event, we would just kind of break down the like what worked, what didn't work, but like what made people laugh, what didn't make people laugh, and it was always interesting seeing like. It sometimes felt like we were working out like bits because yeah. it yeah. was like, cause it was it's a, it's getting a, a story so polished to yeah. a point where it's like, if I knew he was about to start talking about X, I knew that the audience was going to start laughing around. Y. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it was, yeah. it, and so that was, and it all, cool. but it always like opened up the audience. And then, so we would always like talk about that stuff on the drives home um, or just in a corner of a convention we would be talking through a lot of that. You know, I'll share a story where I think that came from because it's because fa- I don't know. Hopefully, it helps someone. But I, um, you know, I went to I went to Indiana State on a radio and TV scholarship, and I thought I was a really big deal. Um, I had this arrogance um, where where I, I like there was an Indy Star article um, written about me. There was a couple of like news articles about like. Um, my my radio career like as a kid um and and going to school and because i mean I, I started working for for like fox sports covering games when i was like 17 and yeah. so for it makes a cool local story when you're a high school kid working yeah. for at a white Sox game on a saturday and so you know i one day i drove at like 5 a.m to um, to Comiskey Park at the time to cover a White Sox game and then drove back to cover a state championship the same day. So it was like morning Cubs, morning White Sox game, um, 6 p.m. state championship. And so here I am, like, I think I'm a big deal. I've got this, I've got a scholarship. I've got a couple uh, articles written about me and I get to Indiana State and they're like, yep, normally we would delay people going on air, but like, yeah, you're going to go ahead and go get a green light to start. Um before I had even started college. And so I'm covering a like, yeah, right. I'm like, I've been on campus like two days and um, I'm getting ready to go cover this game. So I think I'm a big deal. And um, I, the guy who's doing the game with me is a guy named Ben Wagner. And, um, and Ben's like, okay, I'll do play by play. You handle color. And, um, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, we'll, you know, a couple of weeks later, we'll flip this around because I'll be better than him. And right. then you'll, you'll take the two role. Right. And, um, so that's my, that's my thought process going in and Ben beat my ass, like just straight up was better Good. than me Good. all day, every single day, like absolutely better than me 
every single day for the day I met him till today. And, um, you know, it's fascinating because Ben is now the play-by-play guy for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Wow. And so, I mean, yeah. to talk about how much better than me he was, I mean, here's a guy who's literally top 30 in the world mm-hmm. at what he does when you think about the fact that he's a Major League Baseball broadcaster. Yeah. There's only so many of those. Right? And so, yeah. and so um, it was, one, incredibly humbling I don't know if I realized it at the time, but what was even more humbling for me was that his work ethic absolutely destroyed me. It was so much better than mine. And because every single time we got done, he would listen to game tape. And then it got to be the habit that I would listen to his game tape and then he would listen to mine and we would critique each other. And we, we just, we traveled, you know, for the next few years listening to each other and to tape and, and his was always so much better than mine. And he would poke holes in yours. Oh, yeah. And, and then, I mean, we would do games together, and he was, he was so much better than me. And yet, so, like, so we went, to, we went to New Orleans for the baseball winter meetings, and every single job he applied to, he got an offer to. And I got, like, two, two minor league baseball offers for, like, summer ball. Right. Which, I mean, is still a good, it right. was still a good offer. However... Like I'm getting like summer league games, you know, for like 500 bucks a week or something. And he got as literally got a single a job, um, before he graduated college. And, um, and so I realized that when, when we were doing games, if I didn't prepare more effectively, I was going to sound really terrible. Yeah. And I was, um, and I was going to come, come totally let him down Yeah, and, it's and screw his career up. up. Yeah. So I had to learn how to prepare by breaking down tape and getting better every week, or I was going to make him look awful and myself. Uh, that's a, that is great because I know I have to do a better job, but I have to prepare for this. So, <laughs> no, so I get it. So I, I get it. So think back five years ago, or hold on. There was a time you messed up and you felt like a failure. I know we talked a little bit about, about yeah. that, but do you, hear, do you have another instance or do you want to expound upon that? How did you bounce back? failure man um you know what like the the thing that the thing that comes to mind is like i'll piggyback it i guess a little bit is um i think that maybe the biggest one of the biggest failures so to speak or one of the biggest challenges that's that i've had to overcome and and figure out how to overcome is um is with people and from a, from a leadership perspective, um, you know, we've had, we've had great results, um, from a market perspective, from a, from a national perspective, as far as sales go. And it, it has been like, um, running university of Kentucky basketball program. Yeah. Every, every two years, there's a new roster. Yeah. And, um, if you could, if you could be more like, Co- if I could be more like coach K right. and get three to four years, you mean at Louisville, or, what does that do? One and done. Yeah. Every year? Yeah. That's that, coach you, Calipari. Yeah. Cal- like you coach every, Calipari. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, we get really <laughs> amazing. We get great results yeah. from some, from, from our people and we develop, um, people to w- way above average, um, outcomes. You know, right now we're, we're getting about. Uh, we're getting a little over eight times the um, production per agent That's awesome. than what the market gets. And the biggest, the biggest failure or the biggest struggle I've had business wise is we're getting eight X results and not necessarily retaining the eight X results. And so, um, 
that's the by far the thing that I would like categorize failing at. Okay. And have to improve on. Okay. Um, think back five. This years is a lot ago. of work. Yeah. To start over every every few months, every two years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have an entire like you know we're we're close to the entire company fully turning over i saw the, like a team picture and i was like <laughs> you're like who are these people i don't know because yeah. i saw like what a happened? team picture COVID. like when i first started with you it, yeah. we all went to like a cincinnati game or something and then i was like wait where's everybody at and then yeah. now i saw an even bigger picture and i was like whoa yeah whoa. but but what i think is impressive is you've been able to still duplicate what you've done for everybody it is interesting, yeah. I mean, we've that had... Part. like a fraternity. You like, this is a thing, man. You You're can't gonna, uh, argue with that yeah, with, with those results. Is like, clearly, your system gets results. Yeah. You and your the, coaching. And, like... Yeah, uh, what's yeah. the name of that? Uh, Thank you for saying that, because I agree with you, by the way. Uh, however, it is interesting, because that's one of the things that, <laughs> that gets... It's one of the things that I think um, has big, been a big contributor to, the, to turnover is actually um, the disconnect between people um, uh, like failing to acknowledge that the system generates the outcome, yeah, and thinking that it's the person generating yeah. the outcome. And, and I look at like Tom Brady, yeah, they they step out. I look at like Nick Saban, yeah, and and Nick Saban can, has continued to win at Alabama. And yet seven of his assistant coaches are now head coaches at other um, universities, most of which are in the SEC, and they still don't beat Nick Saban. And so it's like, well, wait, is it is it the Saban system that gets the result or the uh, assistant coaches? It's yeah. clearly the Saban system. Yeah. Our, our, our business system has gotten results regardless of who's in that in that role. Yeah. And we've and we've had some amazing people in roles, but we but the system has definitely generated outcomes. Absolutely. In different marketing conditions. Yeah. As well. Way different conditions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the stay at home, you know, we out, we out, we outsold the market by far and stay at home. Um, I mean, we, we outsold it with three people, you know, we, I mean, we, I'll be, I'll take my own horn here. I mean, we, we had the very first year we formed the business. We were the number one team in, mm -hmm. in a, in a region, 12 months, the first, our first 12 months in business. And, and so we've had a lot of success and we've had 100% turnover right since then. Okay. So, so think back five years ago, mm. five years ago, did you envision your career as no. it is today? <laughs> Not at all. Not at I all. I don't think you can. No, like, it's just. No, not remotely. Um, did you see yourself in a, in a cool house like you have? <laughs> um, you know what? I might have actually. I at least, I'll tell you what. I at that least I, uh, I at least wrote. I at least journaled about it and wrote about it, which is um, which is kind of a cool concept. I mean, there was. Um, I, I went. I took a class at Keller Williams called Bold, and um, in the, in one of the exercises in the class is to journal about what your um, future looks like. And I actually journaled about the um, the house that that we that we own now. And um, did I actually think that it would happen? I don't know, but I, I at least wrote about it multiple times in multiple years in a row. Um, so it, when I was actually able to um, accomplish that that dream or that vision, I, I took action on, on buying it. And, 
I wouldn't say that it's been the best um, financial choice I've made. However, it was something that I had um, had wrote had written about for a long time and remembered as a, as a, as a kid. You know, my my dad would drive us. We, we had our house remodeled in like '94, and we so we couldn't really stay there too much because right. construction was going on a lot. We I mean we would be at school all day, but we stayed in a hotel for a little while for maybe a couple months during construction, and then uh, on the weekends we would drive to the Castleton Mall and so we would drive past um, yep. where all the rich people lived yep. and I can remember my mom and dad always talking about like God, what do people do to afford that house or what do people do in order to have all that money or man if I had all that money I wouldn't live in Indiana like oh, I remember my parents saying all those things and so for whatever reason as soon as um, as soon as I was as soon as I had that level of success and became the person to be able to actually accomplish that uh, I did and it really it's fascinating though when you think about when you set a goal and then you accomplish the goal the goal typically loses its energy it sure does. and when I bought the house and was closed on the house it was no longer all that exciting yeah. and interesting. Yeah. It was like, well, okay, the goal was actually becoming that person. I became right. that person by getting the the results that I focused on and and then yeah, okay. Yep. It's cool now. It's Where's not, the next carry? Yeah, what's next? Yeah. yeah. I used to be that I had a I used to sell cars. We talked about that. And I used to have a Dodge Viper in my office. Okay. On my wall and I always Oh yeah, and you had a Viper too, didn't I had you? Two Vipers. Okay. And that was one of those things like you yeah. never would ever imagine ever owning a Viper. And uh, yeah, I did. So I totally get that. Yep. I get it. So, okay. Which leadership, we talked about this a little bit. So which leadership skills do you wish to, to develop oh, a little bit more? Uh, I, a long list of them. Um, you know, it's, I guess that's part of the self-reflective piece is that um, I'm, I'm really hard on myself. And that's, I guess, part of the looking at the opportunity growth-wise. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really cognizant of the like feedback I get from people when they're, when, when there's opportunity to grow. I actually love feedback, especially when it's not positive because it's, it, it is the ability to learn blind spots and continue to, to become less wrong. And so one of the most common things that I hear as areas of opportunity are um, accountability um providing clarity because I do a lot of like abstract concept right. and we'll talk about a vision. And to me, it's crystal clear to everyone else. It seems really foggy. And so, uh, people seem to either drive through the fog or just be parked with their, their hazard lights on. Cause they're not sure how to navigate through it. And, and so that, and then I think, um, delegation, you said you're good at delegation. I think it's one of the things that I'm still wrestling with being incredibly effective. at. I don't think I'm good at it. I think that I'm getting better at okay. it. Okay. Well, does that make sense? That's different than me. I'm good still at struggling. It. I'm I still struggling like. with it. Don't get me. Well, you have seven admins. So we have a lot. you're, you're, you're a better lot. at delegation than yeah. I am. Cause I that don't even I'm, know what to do with that. Or, that or I'm worse at delegation possibly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure which, but I think the accountability is probably the one that I, that is holding the, people accountable or being held accountable. I'm holding people accountable. The being held accountable part is not as big of a challenge. And if I, it's something that I want to do, got it. If I don't want to do it, then that's a whole different story. Um, 
but I think holding people accountable is hard for me because, um, because, of, because if I said that this is the goal, do we need to go back and discuss it again? Or like the goal still stays the same. So just go accomplish the goal. So then you don't want to even communicate it. Cause you're like, yo, the, nothing's changed. Nothing changed. That's right. <laughs> so like the, we're still, we are still going yeah. to the top of the mountain. Yeah. We don't need to talk about where we're yeah. going again. Yeah. Like, and get, so people get lost in that. Cause they're like, you haven't talked to me and they act yeah. like they don't remember that we already had this conversation. That's right. They don't remember. We're still on this hike to the top of the mountain. Yeah. They, they, a lot they want to stop and look around and go, are we, <laughs> still is this still the right path to go to the top of the mountain yeah, right you keep telling and um <laughs> and so that's one of the challenges that i've had is is to to get better at that one of the things that i do from an accountability perspective though is ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. because my goal is to to help someone self-discover why or or how they want to accomplish the the goal or the objective and that works with some people and um, it doesn't work with everyone. I've learned though. Some people need to be told what to do. Yeah. The problem with the problem for me can be is when I need to tell someone what to do with a lot of direct clarity. It feels like parenting and micromanagement to me, and so that creates yeah, some yeah, you don't want to do disconnect it. and friction in the in the business relationship. I, it's an area I have to improve on for sure. I either need to hire people that don't need the direct clarity and micromanagement or I need to become better at delivering that succinct objective. So probably both five years. We're still thinking of five years. What is it that you would tell yourself five years ago? What advice or wisdom that you would give yourself for today? Uh, I think fundamentally I had to, I had to change as a person. Um, because because I'm because I'm someone who is relatively introspective and and you know I I've said this before but I attribute a lot of that to spending a lot of time in therapy um uh, almost a decade ago where the I remember my therapist asked this first question he was like when when was the last time you were sad and I was like I don't know may like I probably was like 5 6 7 <laughs> maybe yeah. I don't know like yeah. I, I, I didn't know what a feeling was like. I didn't know how to describe any feelings or the last time I had a feeling that was not like happiness, excited or like anger. chill. Okay. Yeah. Or anger yeah. or, or total or just like day to day contentment. There was no negative um, uh, feeling other than to your point, anger or frustration, um, which if, which is in my opinion, probably a very normal Pretty male like yeah. spectrum of yeah. feelings. And and going through that, like realization that I remember him saying, like, well, you know, you should feel sad. Your homework is actually having sadness. And I'm like, ah, yeah, whatever. And eventually I warmed up to the idea. And by understanding that, like, when I sit and think about something, then I'm actually able to feel the the what what transpired um and i'm actually able to observe it and be more critical um from an introspective um standpoint i actually feel better afterwards and i go more towards what i actually want and so um as part of that like 
what would I advise someone five years from now is to always be introspective about improvement. Be really, really honest and transparent with sitting in how you think and feel about an outcome or about an event that happened and what is, what is like causing that and how do you get something different? Sitting in your pain. Yeah. We talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And so a lot of times we get frustrated and anger in that, but instead of getting frustrated and anger, you're saying sitting in it, learning about learning what's causing that and then tackling that pain is what's propelled, what's propelled you. Absolutely. And so what, what I realized was that I had to, in order to grow into more leadership opportunities and more leadership, um, and influence, I was going to have to, um, change as a, as a person and continue to evolve and become, um, not someone who's good at leading himself, but someone who's good at also leading and, and coaching others in, into getting that outcome. And that's why I think that, um, our, our business systems have been incredibly effective, um, for getting, uh, results. Now I think our challenge is, is going to be, um, finding a better balance on, um, results and humility. Because we are so results focused that uh, our our people look at the results and go, "Hey, look at me! Yeah, I'm getting these results." Right, and then that, there, that's right. The reality <laughs> is, it's not necessarily look at me. I'm getting these results. It's I'm getting these results, and I'm following the process to where I'm hitting every single uh, every pass. Yeah. Attempt yeah. is a touchdown. Yeah. That's the real, that's the disconnect that I had to have that. I had that like that realization recently was where we are not focusing enough actually on the process. Right. And so when you focus on the result, as soon as someone gets the result, however they got it doesn't matter. Right. It's they done. got the result. The it's result that same goal. Matter. It's gone. If the customer experience wasn't world-class or you shortcutted the process, doesn't matter. I got the result. Right. And the reality is, is how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so I have to reinstill that narrative and that skill set with people is that we have to, we, we have A to Z. And if we skip any of those, we leave letters out of the alphabet. We right. don't have the same alphabet anymore. Right. And, uh, and so, so it's just this constant evolution it's the tiring thing about real about leadership. It's the, it's part of why, you know, people always say leadership is lonely is because it is a, it is a zero sum game and that there is no result. Yeah. There is no stopping point. Yeah. It's a, it's a, Oh, I remember one time you walked in and you were, you look tired. <laughs> That's every day. <laughs> you look tired. And I remember thinking, this is never going to end, is it? <laughs> no, no, it truly is not. You think I mean, that, you're going to like the promised land. In all reality, there is no promise. That's land. right. That's right. Because once you get there, you want a new promised land. That's yeah, right. No, it's a journey. So yeah, so that's where the that's where you have to like truly understand why you're actually doing that. Yeah, like what are are you doing it to solve an internal pain, or are you doing it to? prove yourself your worth your identity um what are we actually why are we doing why are we doing what we're doing um and is it a limitless supply of energy or are you are you you know i think for me what fueled me originally was was identity to prove that i was good enough or prove that i could 
Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, cause I would print out the rankings one, I, when I was in my sales job before Sherwin wins, I printed the rankings every single day. Where am I compared to everyone else? And then I printed the rankings within my board. I mean, I remember being like 500 to a thousand in the rankings and I would print it every single week and hang it on my wall. I've said before, I printed every magazine cover for the real producers magazine here in Indy and was pissed off because I wasn't on the cover of it. And so I hung it up in my office, every single one of them. And then the rankings every week. And it was, can, uh, am I good enough yeah. to get further up on the list? And then all of a sudden we got there and it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well now what? So what happened? <laughs> what was the shift? How did, how do you shift that? Well, so that's a limited supply of energy in the sense that like once you, once you achieve, once you become number one, what do you do next? Yeah. That's how, right? what do you do? So, you know, in, in, and so I, the shift, be, the shift became, um, how do you accomplish results, but impact people's lives? So the shift for me was, uh, was, um, being motivated to show up and grow so that I could help other people grow. Got it. That the, the dynamic was I no longer had to prove that I was capable of accomplishing that business outcome. It was, am I capable? Am I able to multiply, multiply this now? That's right. Awesome. Because that's, that's the never ending zero sum game. It just doesn't stop. (laughs) Um, so that becomes, as long as that's actually truly a motivation, then it's easy to get up and go do it again tomorrow.